I'm your host, Dora Vandekamp. Welcome to the Biohack Your Beauty podcast, where we take a deep dive into the world of biohacking, lifestyle, wellness, and self-development. Join me in uncovering the mysteries of beauty, anti-aging, and ultimate longevity with the experts, teachers, and guides who are leading the health revolution. Hi, beautiful ones. Welcome back to the show. Spring is almost here, and that means that the number one beauty biohack, nature, is beckoning us to go outside. It's been so wonderful to sit in the sun again and absorb the rays and walk in the grass barefoot. I hope you are making some time in your day to get outdoors. And if you are, tag me in your nature post so we can inspire others to connect with the most powerful biohack available to us, Mother Nature. Today, we have the incredible inner child healing life coach, Evolve with Evelyn on the show. This truly is a powerful episode. Evelyn is such a dynamic leader and coach who has helped countless people connect with their inner child and heal their inner wounds in order to live an abundant, happy, and healthy life. In this episode, we talk about how to stop self-sabotaging, the first steps to take to build generational wealth, powerful ways to connect to your inner child, and how to get out of your comfort zone and rise to your full potential. Before we begin, please help us build our reviews by scrolling down to the bottom and rating this podcast. If you screenshot your review and direct message it to me on Instagram, I will share your profile on my Instagram story with my followers. Thank you so much. All right, let's go to the show. Hello, Evelyn. How are you today? I'm so good. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. I'm so, so excited too. Oh my gosh. I feel like we're going to talk about so much amazing stuff. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Of course. No, thank you for having me. And thank you to everyone who's listening. I want to start at the beginning just to have people kind of understand what your journey was like. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about the road to where you are now and how you became interested in inner child healing and healing from generational trauma. Yeah. So I love this question because it's like one of those things where it just happens so organically. So my first step into the entrepreneurial world was actually fitness and health coaching. Um, I am a first generation Asian Canadian. So my parents were originally from Vietnam and sought refuge and immigrated to North America. So I'm first generation, which meant that I kind of never knew where I belonged. Like I was always like too white in, in Asian culture, but then I'm also like very Asian to like Westerners. So I just always never felt good enough, never felt like I belonged anywhere. And because my family grew up in communism, like never really having money, uh, we grew up really poor. So I would just be eating all these, you know, fast foods, ramen, rice. And so I was a pretty, you know, chubby kid. I mean, looking back, I really wasn't like, I feel like I was just a normal kid, but as a kid, everybody else around me just made me feel like I was the fat girl. Like I was overweight that, you know, and it's just like, I look back at old photos and I just, my heart breaks. Cause I'm like, I really wasn't, you know? 
And so fast forward, uh, when, you know, fitness kind of started happening, it was because I was severely bullied for my weight. Um, I struggled with depression, suicidal ideation. My parents even had to get legally separated so that I could go to a different school because I was getting bullied so bad. Mm-hmm. And I found fitness. So fitness was the thing that really, truly saved me as cliche as it was. And when I started noticing the positive effects of business, of fitness, I started bringing other people into it, uh, my friends, and I became a personal trainer, became a fitness coach. And then my business was just doing so well that people wanted to know how I was doing. So I just naturally evolved into business coaching for fitness coaches. And this whole time I was still doing life coaching because I feel like no matter what you do as a coach, mindset is 80% of it. So I was also doing mindset coaching as a fitness coach. And then as business, I was doing that. And it got to the point where a lot of my clients were having like $9,000 days, $20,000 launches, like success, right? Like what all these coaches talk about, but then there's still a part of me that felt really empty and felt a little off. And the thing that I was feeling was that everyone around me, even myself, and I'm sure you probably have experienced this where like you make the money and then let's say you spend it all, or you don't think that you're worthy of keeping it or you lose the weight and then you gain it all back. And it was almost like I was seeing these self-sabotaging behaviors happen. And my heart was breaking for all these clients that were in these three month programs and just feeling like they're going back to square one. And I was like, there's something here. Like I I'm not here just to help people make money. And then for them to struggle the rest of their life, like I want to help them make lasting change. So I started digging deeper And that's when I really started learning about self-sabotage. I learned about deep-rooted limiting beliefs. And then my own journey, I started learning about inner child, the subconscious mind. I became certified in neurolinguistic programming, clinical hypnotherapy, and one thing after another, inner child healing led me to generational trauma healing. And here we are now. I can relate on a lot of levels. One of them being that I also started out as a fitness instructor and then became a health coach. And I feel like that is something I see so much as people kind of starting on the outside and it's like the gateway drug into the inner work, right? Like, Oh, there's more, there's more here. So I love that. That is kind of something that you experienced as well. And then I would love to talk a little bit about that self-sabotage. Like what, what does that look like for people? I guess the question is like, what industry are we talking about? Yeah. Right. Like in, in person, in fitness and health, we sab- sabotage because we don't think we're worthy of being fit or happy or healthy. So we'll grab that bag of chips. We'll sleep in, even though we know that we wanted to actually go to the gym. Um, you know, yeah, we eat the chips. We don't actually go work out. We overcommit ourselves in relationship. We self-sabotage by, you know, cheating on people. We put ourselves in toxic relationships. We're overly jealous. Uh, we are codependent and we latch on and we basically suffocate the other person in business. You know, we are fearful of showing up. So we show up as an, a fake version of us that we think other people's want us to be, uh, there's self-sabotaging tendencies that we have in every single part of our life. It's so incredible too, because when it comes to fitness or our body image or how we take care of our bodies, 
a lot of people would say like, well, I didn't go to the gym because I didn't feel like it. It's, you know, and so there, there's that self-awareness of, we don't even know that we're self-sabotaging, right? Because it feels and looks like it's very comfortable. Yeah. I didn't want to go to the gym. It didn't feel good to go to the gym. So I didn't go Mm -hmm. or it didn't feel good to um, make that speech or do something out of my comfort zone. So I was doing like self-care. So it's very hard to know, like, is it self-care or self-sabotage? Like, how do you discriminate? How do you know what is what? So I always say one expands you and the other one is you running away from something. So when you're doing self-care, it's because it makes you feel better right? Like for example, if you are, let's say burnt out um, from working and you're, you're like, Oh no, I need to make that piece of content on social media, but you're just burnt out in that moment. You do need self-care and maybe like taking the day off and, you know, getting a massage will actually expand you. But let's say if, you know, you've been in business and, you know, you've kind of been like lollygagging a little bit and then you're like, well, should just like take a day off but the self-care actually wouldn't expand you it probably would actually make you feel even guiltier about taking that day off and in that moment you're probably running away from something the fear of being seen the fear of success the fear of putting yourself out there right so we're running away from something which is why we self-sabotage because we're trying to avoid something from happening amazing amazing so how does this self-sabotage connect to the inner child? How are they related? Yeah, oh, I love these questions. So I could literally talk about this stuff all day. <laughs> so the, the, the inner child, um, so we self-sabotage because we want to keep ourselves safe. It's like our ego is so used to things being a certain way. So we have this story in our minds that, because a lot of us grew up not feeling good enough, not feeling pretty enough, not feeling smart enough. Maybe we grew up with financial trauma and like a lot of our parents, um, you know, struggled with money, right? A lot of us, like our parents were like struggling through the recession. So there's a lot of us who have this deep fear that if I make money, it'll be taken away from me. So we self-sabotage to prevent that reality from happening which is often what actually makes that reality happen. So in relationships, for example, um, because let's say Amanda, let's say random person, Amanda grew up with parents who were divorced. Maybe dad was super abusive or mom was an alcoholic. And that's all Amanda knew her relationships to be very toxic. So then when she gets into a relationship with Ryan, for example, and Ryan's a sweet, amazing guy, actually treats her the way that she deserves. She doesn't feel worthy of his love. She doesn't feel like she's actually enough. So to fit back into the mold in the way that she knows things to be, she sabotages. She, you know, emotionally manipulates him. She becomes toxic. She tries to pick arguments with him. She thinks that he's cheating on her all the time. And then he ends up leaving. And so she self-sabotages. Yes, absolutely. It's so relatable for me as well, because I've definitely been there. And it's interesting because, so when we talk about a comfort zone, right? Cause 
there's kind of that saying, everything that you want is outside of your comfort zone, something like that, right? So if we think about wanting to get out of our comfort zone and become uncomfortable, that is kind of where the brain says like, Hey, this isn't safe. This doesn't feel safe at all. So how do you, how do you go from being in your comfort zone to jumping outside of your comfort zone? Do you need to, do you need to make that non-comfort zone comfortable in order to be able to go there? Or is it just going to feel completely uncomfortable? I love this question. And the only way that you can make that com- un- uh, the, what was it? The uh, unknown comfortable is by stepping into it. Mm. Things will never be comfortable unless you've experienced it. So you have to experience it for it to then be comfortable. Mm. Right. So it's kind of like that push and pull, like it's like the chicken or the, like, which came first, the chicken or the egg. Right. So something that I always say is like our subconscious mind is responsible for everything. Like 99.99% of our reality. It's where our habits our patterns or behaviors are stored. So whatever is in our subconscious mind, which was actually formed by the age of seven. So your inner child and your subconscious mind are highly correlated, like are basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. So anything that's outside of the beliefs that you have, the behaviors that you have or the experiences is like uncomfortable because you don't know what that's going to look like. You don't know what that experience is like. And so to keep yourself safe, to prevent you from the outside world, we stay in that box. So to step outside of it is closing your eyes. Like, well, one, it's inner child healing. It's, it's closing your eyes and reminding that little version of you, like, Hey, it's actually okay. Like, it's not, it's, I know you're scared right now, but it's going to be okay. Like, remember all those times that you took that step and, and everything worked out the way that it needed to. So it's like, it's not about running away from it, but it's actually like, I think a lot of people feel like, oh, well, I have to like push past the fear. I always say it in the analogy of like the ocean. I'm such a water baby. I'm a Scorpio. So like when I see a lot of analogies in a lot of areas. So for example, when you're in the ocean, I'm someone who like goes like I I'm one with the ocean. There's only a couple things that you can do to actually make it past those waves. Cause you have the person who goes into the ocean and then they're getting smacked in the face by the waves because <laughs> they're trying to fight it. But, and then you have the person who like will go through it. And sometimes you just have to go through it to go to the other side. Like don't try to run away from it. Cause you'll just get, keep getting smacked. Mm-hmm. Actually go with it. Like there's two ways to go on the other side. It's either you move with the waves of the ocean or you go underneath where the, the wave actually hits and you go through it. So I always say like, that's why they say like dance with the fear make the fear less fearful. When you look at the fear, it becomes less fearful. When you make, when you run away from it, it still is this big monster. I don't know if any of that made sense. It does. Oh, it's beautiful. I love <laughs> it. And I think it's so powerful with the analogy of the ocean. Um, because like when you said, like getting smacked in the face of the waves, I think we've all been there. Just keep getting smacked in the face by the waves. You know, like you're like, why the hell is this happening to me again? And I bet I love that you said, go through the, go through it. Because if you go under the water, you are going through it, you know, and it can be scary, but it's, 
it's not as painful <laughs> and it's not as hard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like the, and I, and I say this because like, I know what it's like to be on either fronts. Like if you've ever actually been in an ocean, cause I actually see this happen with my friends a lot. Like I'm in, I'm over here in the ocean and then my friends are too scared to go in and they're the waves keep smacking them. So they keep getting pushed back <laughs> and they get so yeah. And you get so tired. You're yeah. like forcing yourself to go through, but then the wave keeps smacking you. It's like, save yourself the trouble and just like, hold your breath for like 20, like two seconds and go under. And then you'll notice, Oh wow. That was actually pretty smooth. I love it. I've listened to a lot of Abraham Hicks in my life. And, yes. you know, we talk a lot about like the path of least resistance. And I think yeah just knowing that the journey can be uncomfortable and it can be scary, but it doesn't have to be painful, right? Because we have all these resources. You're a resource. We have just so many different resources to to consider that make this path something that you can be fully engaged in without feeling like you're dying all the time, you know? Oh, a hundred percent. And I think the challenge is that because there's a lot of stories in society and passed down from generations and our parents, it's like, you have to work hard. Like life is hard. And, and while I will resonate, I will say that some experiences can be hard. If you go through life thinking that life is hard, it's going to be hard. If you think that you're never going to get help, like there's no good people out there, you're going to never come across a good person. Right. So Yes, while there are so many tools and resources, I think a lot of people just don't allow themselves to actually reach out to those resources because then yeah. it would mean that things were easy. And that would mean that all their beliefs about life is yeah. false. And that's very uncomfortable for a lot of people. It's fascinating because you mentioned the ego early on in, in our interview, but I think the ego does play a big part in that as well. Is this because we hang on so hard to the things that often are sabotaging us and limiting mm-hmm. us these beliefs of, like you said, there's nobody good. I don't trust anyone. Nothing is free. All of these very strong belief systems and yeah, they can they can kind of hold us back when it comes to financial wealth, when it comes to our health, right? Um, Even illness. I think a lot of people hang on to illness because it's their comfort zone. So it's a really interesting thing to talk about. It's so interesting that you brought up illness because a lot of the illnesses that we experience in present day are actually physical manifestations of traumas from previous generations. Mm. So there's that. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that because I totally resonate with that. And if we think about that, it's also a really scary concept because Every single one of us, whatever our ancestral background, uh, has trauma through our ancestral line and it looks different. It looks the same. Um, I think it's, it's so complex. So let's talk about that. So ancestral trauma, generational trauma, inherited family trauma, they're all the same thing, just whatever it is that you want to call it. But essentially, it's where we can inherit the biological residues 
from traumatic events in our family history. So I think as a society, we've been conditioned that trauma has to be really big events like rape, murder, suicide, you know, trigger warning. Uh, maybe we can put like a little disclaimer in the, in the in the podcast episode, but we think that it has to be these big things. But in reality, trauma, traumatic events can vary in types and intensities. So for example, if you were a little girl or a little boy or a little being, and you had um, like a stuffed animal, right? That was like your safe space. But then that stuffed animal was starting to get torn apart. And then mom's like, oh, you know, this is things getting ripped. I'll just throw this out and I'll get her a new one. But then like that child now feels abandonment because it's like you took the most important thing to me to a child. That's trauma. Right. That's traumatic. Like. Right. Um, So as you can see, it can be really tiny things like mom accidentally forgetting you at the supermarket, which actually happened to like a couple of my clients. Like one of my clients was dropped off in the desert by mom's ex-boyfriend as a young kid. Uh, Just a lot of different things. So the point is is that anything unhealed in previous generations can be inherited by future generations. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, anything can be manifested. Like we can pass down thoughts and beliefs and things. So in our DNA, oftentimes we talk about like, oh, passing down the hair color and the skin color. So that's called chromosomal DNA. That's actually only 2% of your total DNA. The other 98% of your DNA is called non-coding, which is your behaviors, um, your personality traits, emotions, and stuff like that. So 98% of that is that that's getting passed down. So studies have shown that if your, you and I's parents struggled with um, PTSD, you and I are three times more likely to experience the symptoms of PTSD. So things like anxiety and depression. So oftentimes, you know, I think as humans, we're like, we think that we're the problem, right? Like, oh, I'm fucked up because I have depression or I have anxiety. But when you really think about it, that depression, anxiety came from somewhere. It didn't just, you didn't just come out of the womb being like, I'm going to be a depressed person. Like, so when you think about this, like, wow, like imagine the PTSD that your parents or your grandparents experienced that you're just now inheriting. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think it's fascinating. And 98%. But no one talks about this, right? They only talk about the 2%, which is your hair and skin color. And, And it's so powerful to know that too, because so many, I mean, I've been, I've struggled with a lot of stuff you know, capital S. And I'm sure most of our listeners have too. And I think there's something really big. in like what you said, so many of us have been like, why am I like this? What's wrong with me? Like, why am I like this? And so there's a lot of self blame going on too, right? Because we're, we don't understand. And so we get angry at ourselves or we get, we feel shame around that or guilt around that because we can't be who we want to be. Um, And so I think it's really powerful to know that this is a collective, it's like an accumulation of all the stuff that our, that our parents, our grandparents, um, our great grandparents have been through. Yeah. And I just wish that we were taught this, like 
the knowledge that I have was things that I had to figure out for myself. But like, what would the world look like if we talked about inner child healing or generational trauma at a young age so that people wouldn't have to grow up and then realize, oh, why this is, this is why I was so messed up, you know? Yeah, Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. I think there's so many things that could change the world if we just talked about it when we were you know, little, yeah. cool. Cause I have that too. Um, I'm like, Oh, why didn't they teach us this stuff? So you talked a little bit about the things that we learn up until the age of like seven are really, really, really powerful in shaping our subconscious mind. And if we're talking yeah. about our inner child, how do you connect with your, your inner child? And are you connecting with your inner child from in between those ages of like from conception to, to seven years old. Yeah. So your subconscious mind was formed by the age of seven. Mm. So yes, that is a part of your inner child, but your inner child can be at different life stages. So I've had clients who had to heal their inner child at two years old. They had to heal their inner child at 12 years old. They had to heal their inner child at 16. So we have different stages of our little being. Mm -hmm. So the easiest way to heal is to actually just start listening to that part of us. It's not like this separate entity. It's actually within us. It's just the part of us that we don't listen, right? Our, our, our inner child is linked to our subconscious mind, which is often usually only present when we're in like meditative states or when we're sleeping. Um, it's highly correlated with our intuition, like our gut, So when you're going against your intuition, you're actually going against your inner child. Um, So really learning to listen to that voice, an easier way for you to reconnect with your inner child is just to do the things that brought you joy as a kid. Mm -hmm. So like, if that's dancing, if that's playing on the play structure, going on swings, doing crafts, singing, any of those things, you'll notice that when you're in that blissful state of joy and love and happiness and peace, that is when you are the most you. And that is when your inner child is the most present. And then your inner child, that part of you communicates to you what, because you mentioned intuition. So kind of what steps to take? Or do you feel like it's something that might just come through more through the coaching? How does that kind of work knowing what to work on? Well, here's the thing is that most of us grew up learning how to not trust ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? We learned that everybody else around us knew better than us. So we would listen to mom, listen to dad, listen to teachers, listen to the priest, listen to whoever else, like your friends, like So we start learning that everybody else, that's where we seek external validation because we don't know how to seek it from within. So in the process of inner child healing, it's learning how to rebuild that trust with yourself again. So rebuilding that trust is like, oh, when that little voice inside of you says, I need to go cry and you go cry and you feel better. It's like, oh, that actually felt better. But it's like when you, you're that inner voice says, go cry and you don't, and you feel even worse, then you're continuously betraying yourself. That inner voice is also your inner child. So when you're betraying your, you're betraying your inner child. So anytime I always say your triggers are your teachers. So if you are triggered by something, 
something's making you unhappy, making you feel insecure, you're feeling angry or fearful, that's your inner child flaring up and wanting to be seen. So instead of just pushing that child away and pretending that everything's okay, like we normally do, actually listen to the inner child. Ask, like close your eyes and ask them, like, what do you need in this moment? And sometimes that inner child just needs to be told that they're loved, that everything's going to be okay, that they're safe. Sometimes they just need to cry. Sometimes they might just want to go out and play. Sometimes they might need a bubble bath, but we never actually allow ourselves a space to listen to what that part of us needs. Yeah. It's so powerful that you're saying all of this because so many of us judge ourselves like so harshly and we kind of, I think when our inner child is like, I need to cry or I need comfort, right? We're like, shut up, (laughs) be quiet. You're such a baby Um, and probably way worse. I mean, that's kind of mild. I think for a lot of people, people put themselves down way worse than that. And I, I know I've seen this uh, before where people, they have a picture of themselves as a child and they use that because when you look at yourself as a child, I mean, you, you, there's something about that, that kind of is a punch in your heart, you know, where you're like, would you ever talk the way you talk to yourself to that little child that, that is in that photo? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another ex- exercise that's commonly done is where um, you write out all the mean things that you say to yourself and then challenging yourself to say that to the person next to you mm. or like someone you don't know. Yeah. And it's like, if you wouldn't say that to that someone else, why would you say that to yourself? I, I feel like we have such a harder time taking compliments than we do insults. <laughs> well, it's completely mirrored to childhood, right? Yeah. Like, the, when we're beating up on ourselves, we're beating up on ourselves the same way that our parents beat on us. Mm, yeah. So when we can't receive compliments, it's because we were never taught how to receive compliments as a kid. Mm. So that inner child healing is reparenting ourselves. It's, mm-hmm. it's basically parenting us the way that we didn't get to be parented as kids. Mm. Do you find yourself working with parents as well? Um, on how, because if we think about it, like we need to reparent ourselves, but if we do end up having children of our own, right? Like there's like this need to break that cycle because it's been going on for so long. Um, oh yeah, a hundred percent. Um, it's so interesting because the last like 10 clients who signed up with me in the last like two months have all been moms. Every single one of them has been a mom. I can't remember the last momless client I've worked with or sorry, the childless client that I worked with. So it's been really interesting because I feel like the universe is like, we're prepping you with working with all the moms. So yeah, yeah, a lot, every single one of them has been moms and they have been my favorite sessions to do because at the end of the day, parents are the ones who are raising the next generation. And, you know, when they heal, they help their children heal. When they heal, they're breaking generational cycles and preventing their kids from living out those cycles the same way that they did. 
It, it's so amazing. I'm so, it just makes my heart so happy to hear that you're working with moms because I know that's huge for them. And then, yeah, I, I think that is the key, right? It's like being able to heal the next generation or heal ourselves so that the next generation doesn't have this, you know, level of work to do because <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> It is. And like, thankfully, you know, we live in a time where this stuff is readily available and accessible, but like our parents, like, you know, they, I don't even think a lot of them even knew what mental illness was. So they just all suffered in silence, but we're so grateful to be in a time now where we don't have, we, we get to choose better. Like we have more tools. So it's like, it's up to you to now make the change, but if you're not willing to make the change, like you can't there's this same this thing that i've been seeing going around on tiktok where it's like you can't complain about the change that you weren't willing to make or something along the lines of that like you can't complain if you're not doing anything about it yeah 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 and i i i think that's really powerful to know because complaining it's just it's it's disempowering right because it's kind of saying like well there's there is nothing I can do about it when there is. Right. So I think it's just knowing that, um, we have the power to make these transformations. It's not easy all the time. It's not comfortable all the time, but it's worth it. Right. Like we have, if there's a desire to have more, to be more, to create more, to raise our children in a way that serves this world, but also just happy children there, then it's worth it. Right. It's worth all the discomfort. That's why I say like having conversations like these is so important because you never know who's listening. And like you at, as human beings, like we've been blessed with free will, like we have the opportunity to take action on it or not. So I guess it's like, it's up to you. Like now that you've heard all this, and have this awareness, like, are you willing to stay the same or are you willing to do something about it and make a change? Yeah. We've talked about the inner child. I want to kind of go back to generational trauma and talk a little bit about the financial piece, because right. that's something that you're currently really focused on. You have an amazing program I saw coming up. So yeah, I want to talk a little bit about that because when we talk about transformation, right, there has to be some desire in order to change. And for a lot of people, it's like, well, why would I do all this work? Like what's, what, what do I get out of it? Right. And so I think like looking at our relationships is one thing, and then looking at our wealth and our finances. And so how does our generational trauma or ancestral trauma uh, affect our, our finances and our wealth? Yeah. So the program that I have coming out is called building generational wealth. And I think by just looking at that really quickly, a lot of people think that it's just about money, but here's the thing is that there's a lot of people who grew up with money and are still in miserable places because they didn't get mental health coping skills. They didn't get proper communication. They grew up with very emotionally detached parents. So it's like, is that truly wealth? Like, are you really going to be able to pass down true generational wealth? If like you have the money, but then everything else in your life is shit. So generational wealth to me is like being able to pass down mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and financial wealth. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question about financial trauma, majority of us, I think there was a Harvard study or Forbes study that was done. And it was like, 
over it was like one in third one in three millennials um suffer from financial trauma um over one third which is a pretty big number when you really think about it and that financial trauma gets passed down so like if we had parents that grew up with really tough financial you know circumstances whether you grew up in communism or extremely poor that holds us back as present day, you know, people, because there is a part of you that doesn't believe you're worthy of making more because like, who am I to be financially well off when my ancestors struggled? So because we don't feel worthy, we self-sabotage. And that was my story. I had, you know, multiple six figure months back in what I think it was like 2019 And I spent the money just as quick as I made it. And I didn't even know, like I was doing it at the time. Like I, you know, just reinvested it back into my business. I, you know, hired coaches and mentors. So I never really spent it on like materialistic things. But then at the end of the year, I profited like $2,000. And I'm like, where did all that money go? Like that was a pattern that I had. I spent everything that I got and I had nothing to show for at the end of the day. And then I realized that it was generational trauma. I was like, oh my goodness, like there's so much deep financial trauma in my family and I'm replaying those same patterns now. What do those limiting beliefs or what do those, like you said, I'm not worthy. Can you elaborate on that? Because for a lot of people, they're like, well, but you know, I, I think I'm worthy. I know I deserve the money. Like I don't have that problem. So why don't I have money? Um, I will tell you every single person, there's a deep part of them that doesn't feel like they're enough. I don't care who you are, (laughs) where you come from. There's like that tiny little piece. If you've never done generational trauma healing, no matter, no matter the amount of money that you make, there's always going to be like this tiny little part of you. So this worthiness around money is like, Okay. So we might show up as one way, but then that part of our brain, our authentic selves might believe something different. So in those, in 2019, when I was like making the most amount of money that I've ever made, I was like traveling all over the place. Everything was perfect. Like I was like, yeah, I'm confident. I'm the shit. But deep down, like really going underneath the layers in my subconscious mind, there is this story that I had where it's like, like, I'm not actually worthy of money. My relationship with money was skewed. I always put money on this pedestal because of how my parents raised me. Like they were always stressing about money. Money was everything. We always talked about money. So like, if you're looking at like two hands together, one hand's higher, that was money for me. Like money was always above me. So based on the law of attraction, if money's above you, how are you an energetic match to it? So then what I end up doing was then I would self-sabotage and I would spend the money to now match that belief that I had in my head. So I didn't realize that I put money on a pedestal until I started real, like acknowledging that I actually was not having a great relationship with money. Because if you really ask, if you sit down and ask yourself, what's my relationship to money right now? Do I have a good relationship with it? Do I feel like I can keep it? Am I deserving of it? 
when you start really sitting with how do I spend my money? Do I keep it? Am I good with it? Do I tip people well? Am I giving with it? Am I too giving with it? Then you start to realize the realities of your financial situation. Oh my gosh. So good. I think (laughs) everybody's got to ask themselves these questions seriously. And it's so fascinating because the correlation between the pedestal and you, we put money on a pedestal. We put the body we desire to have on a pedestal. We put the face we desire to have. I mean, these days with Instagram, it's insane and TikTok, you know, and we also put relationships like that on a pedestal. So like, think of all this stuff that you have out of reach that you've put on a pedestal. How can, how can you ever get on that same frequency when you're putting it way up there? Exactly. That changed everything for me. I was like, dang, I did not realize that money was always above me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, stop putting shit on a pedestal. Yeah. Like, and when you start to really work on your inner healing, you start to realize like, wow, like we're all at the end of the day, the same, you know, we're cut from the same, you know, some people will say we're not cut from the same cloth, but like, yes, we might have different upbringings, but at the end of the day, we're all the same. Like we all feel, we all suffer. We all have traumas. Like yeah. no one's better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have these traumatic events, whether it's when you're little or even when you're in your teens, we block those memories out for people. Is there a way to heal from those traumas, even if we're not able to go back to that trauma specifically in our conscious mind? Right. So I will say disclaimer, I'm not a mental health therapist. Um, I'm not a mental health professional. I'm not a psychiatrist or a doctor. So I don't, I I use trauma in in the language of generational trauma, but when it comes to like childhood stuff, I always say childhood wounds. Mm -hmm. Um, I also never say I help people heal from their childhood trauma. I just support you with working through things. So just now that we're out of the way, because I don't need any (laughs) uh, people being like, like keyboard warriors. (laughs) So as a neuro-linguistic programmer, practitioner, uh, and clinical hypnotherapist, I work directly with the subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. So hypnotherapy has been shown to, you know, help clients go back to certain parts of their lives to be able to get the learning lessons from it. So the thing is, is that your subconscious mind remembers everything. It stores it on a timeline. So your subconscious mind takes in every second, 2.3 million bits of information every second through your five senses, the things that you hear, see, taste, smell, and feel. Your conscious mind processes only 113 bits of that. So all that 2.3 million bits every second is stored on this timeline. So even though you consciously don't remember things, your subconscious always does. This is why sometimes people will have dreams or nightmares or night terrors and flashes of memory will come because your subconscious does remember everything. So what I've noticed for me, the easiest, like I, okay, here's where my coaching is a little different, right? I am personally not a fan of talk therapy for myself because I feel like what good is it if you are just making me talk about things in my past and I'm just stuck in the past. 
So for me, we don't go into the past unless the past is what's actually holding you back from moving forward. Mm. Right. So when you allow yourself, like if you're talking to your inner child, like it's okay to remember things like here's a, here's a beautiful thing about your subconscious mind is that it only presents memories for resolutions when it's ready. So when it's ready to heal and it's ready to, to release it, it will present itself. So let it present itself. Don't force it. Yeah. Cause sometimes we might force ourselves to look at things that we're not ready for. Mm. So for me, when I look at old childhood photos, like I'll, I'll go through like family albums and I'll go through my photos and then I'll be like, Oh, I remember three years old, like this happened and this happened. Um, if you like are in a position where you're like, you know what, I'm ready to start healing, giving yourself that permission. You'll start remembering things in your dreams. Um, go to the playground. If you start doing things that you remember, like that you love to do as a kid, just by association, you're going to bring back those feelings. Like if you love to draw as a kid, don't be surprised if you're like drawing or picking up books that a random memory with mom when you were five years old starts to come to the picture. So I will say like, don't go to the past unless it's presenting itself to you. You don't need to. So just look at it when it does come. Yeah. So good. Oh my gosh. And it's really cool that you mentioned the environment, because I think that there's such a, we're such environmental creatures. So there's so many uh, like subconscious triggers, I think, in our environment as well. hundred mm-hmm. um, percent. And then you, so does it work similarly with your subconscious mind? Does your subconscious mind have the biological residues that you talk about with ancestral healing? Or is that something more that just sits in the body that you heal? from within. Oh yeah. I mean, well, your subconscious mind was formed by the age of seven. So Mm -hmm. anything that was experienced in childhood, like it all gets passed down and it's, it's stored in there. So yeah, it's all like connected. Like if you look at your, your subconscious, like your timeline, if you, okay. So if you just look at a timeline and we're on the far right, like present day, if you go backwards to the left, you'll see like zero to seven, which is like your imprint stage, seven to 14, which is your modeling stage. Like you're modeling other people. And then 14 to 21 is socialization. Mm-hmm. Even further left, you have this little section where in the womb. So anything that happened in the womb affects you and you're subconscious. Totally. totally. And then even further left, you now have two arrows shooting in two different directions. One is generational and then the other one's past lives. So oh, all of that <laughs> is all like your subconscious takes in all of that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a powerful thing to think about whenever you're tempted to talk badly to yourself. Just remember all of the things <laughs> that you have to consider because that's a lot of things, right? Past lives ancestors while you were still in the womb. I mean, those are all things that are really powerful. And I think it's good to note too, that, you know, even when a woman is, is pregnant, the baby's listening. So it's very powerful to remember that a hundred percent. Yeah. So we asked all of our guests three questions at the end of the interview. So the first one is what is your definition of beauty? My definition of beauty is honestly what's within. 
as cliche as that sounds, I think beauty has been, um, the term has been kind of like muddled over the years, like with what society deems as beauty. But I feel like beauty is honestly that authentic being inside because children all come out of the womb as beautiful. You've got a beautiful soul. So yeah, beauty is just what is inside as your most authentic self. Mm. What is your favorite inner or outer beauty tip for our listeners? Um, my favorite outer beauty tip is like, just like get cute. Like, you know, for a lot of us, we work from home and it's so easy just sit in sweatpants all day. Like go take some time out of your week to like put on some cute, you know, clothes and take some photos of yourself. Even if you're not going to go anywhere, I do that at least once a week. And it's my days where I do filming and I just feel a lot more confident on those days. Um, yeah. Really good tip, actually, (laughs) because I agree 100%. It's so easy to just, I literally live in my boyfriend's clothes these days. And I'm like, when I actually wear jeans, I'm like, huh, I feel good today. This is great. Exactly. Yeah, that's amazing. I love it. And then where can people find you? Yeah. So you can find me on every single social media platform, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, even on Spotify, because I do have a podcast. Um, everything is evolve with Evelyn. You will not miss it. And, um, my website is also evolve with Evelyn.com. Yay. Amazing. We'll put it in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was so, so awesome. Oh, thank you for having me. And if, um, anyone who's listening, you are, you know, interested in like inner child and generational trauma healing, just let us, let me know that you came from this podcast. Um, and I'd be more than happy to offer all your listeners, um, a discount on my sessions. Awesome. Yay. I will put it all in the show notes and all the links too. If you loved this episode, please give this podcast a positive review on iTunes or Spotify. It helps us spread the word about the power of holistic health and beauty, and it helps this podcast grow. If you share your favorite takeaways from this episode on Instagram, please make sure to tag me so I can reshare. Thank you so much for listening. Have a beautiful week.